Greetings, and welcome to Movie Mastery. For a podcast that talks about terrible movies, press 1. For local movie times, press 2. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, press 3. Meep. Ah, you'd like to know more about the podcast. We, John and Jeff, will be reviewing movies that you suggest. They'll be terrible, but we don't care. We've got a Little Caesars hot and ready, and we are hot and ready to watch. Cripes. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the basic premise of our, our new Movie Mastery podcast is that we're going to get together and discuss a bad movie every once in a while. We don't really have a schedule for these yet. And uh, the basic idea is that we will get together before we watch the movie, watch the trailer for that movie, and then discuss our expectations. Yes. Now, we are entirely doing this off of viewer recommendations, or listener recommendations, I, I suppose I should say. Thank God you're not viewer recommendations. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, if you were looking at us, this would be terrible. Yeah, not not good. It'd be like Siskel and Fatbert. And fat I'm, Siskel and Fatter yes, Ebert. Also, Siskel is also fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, in this case, we had three select uh, options to choose from. Then those were, uh, let's see, Zardoz. 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 The gun is good. Yeah. And then we also had something called Possession from 1981, which I don't know anything about. Yeah, I mean, it could be about demons, it could be about drugs. Or, Who knows? Or just things that someone owns. Yeah, it might be about hoarders. Yeah, just, uh, this is my, uh, this is my gun. I own this gun. This is my gun. It's my possession. Yeah, and it's good. It's good. This gun. Zardoz! <laughs> and then the, uh, the third one, the one that won in our random roll-off was Dead Heat. Yeah. A film from uh, 1988 recommended to us from Saint-14 on the Twitter. Yeah. And it's a movie that has Joe Piscopo teamed up with a real treat. Of a Williams. Of a Williams. Yeah. Oh, Robin Williams? He's a yes. real, he's a real treat. Too soon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a real treat for the worms. Uh, yeah. And one of them is, uh, we watched the trailer, so one of them dies, uh, Treat Williams. Treat Williams dies, and then, uh, Joe Piscopo brings him back alive. He brings him back alive. Which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and then it seems that once you die and are brought back, you really want people to remain seated. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the trailer, so it seems as though mostly he just bursts into rooms holding two machine guns and tells people to stay sitting down and then shoots them. Yeah. Uh, so, it appears to be a 1980s zany cop comedy with a bunch of supernatural horror elements. It, I'll be honest, it kind of reminded me of, like, a cop version of Weird Science. Okay, I could see that. Uh, I'm not, uh, to me, it's just, the zombie element made me think of better zombie movies right away. Like, zombie comedies. Uh. Death Becomes Her and stuff like that. So, I have no idea what to expect from this yet. But let's talk briefly about what we think we will see. I'm almost certain... That we're going to see a lot of really bad dead puns. Okay, that's definitely going to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, I am wondering, this is what I'm thinking, is that we're going to have to see a romance scene with the zombie Treat Williams. Oh, do you think he has? We didn't find out if he has like a girlfriend or a wife or something in the uh, trailer, so I assume we're going to get some gross-out humor based on how he's gross and dead and he can't quite score with the ladies. Maybe, maybe. So I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful for that. Uh, it's also a cop comedy from the 80s, so I expect we're going to get an angry chief. Yeah, I definitely think someone is going to accuse them of blowing up some city blocks. Yeah, and they're going to say they get results. Well, so uh, we'll have to, to check and see if any of this stuff comes up. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I, I assume also it's going to have some sort of like legitimate magic bad guy who's co- responsible for all this zombie shenanigans. Yeah, I assume probably what's going to happen is our hero is going to go through the vents and he's <laughs> going to try and stop Hans Gruber and maybe walk on some broken glass. Yeah, we're going to see if he kills one guy and then the, that guy's twin gets mad at him or if he is saved near the end by a comical limo driver. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This, is, this is what I assume will happen. Yeah, of course. And the whole thing's going to take place in some kind of plaza. Yeah, uh, some kind of plaza. So, I don't know. All right, so tune in after the break for when we have actually seen the movie and are ready to discuss our findings. That was definitely a movie that we watched. <laughs> I feel like we're not going to be able to say that every time. Yeah, not every time, but this time it was true. Also, Fair. I'm dead. <laughs> that We watched a movie, and I'm dead. <laughs> Fuck you, because I'm dead. <laughs> uh, okay, so Dead Heat. Dead Heat is a 1988 film starring Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo, uh, two 80s-looking ladies who did not do anything else. Uh, the dad from A Christmas Story. And Vincent Price. And Vincent Price. Plus, 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 a brief appearance. Very brief. One scene. By the E, Robert Picardo. So good. You may remember him from such movies as The Burbs. Or such TV shows as, uh, which one? Uh, Voyager. Voyager. He was on a lot of them, though. I think he was on DS9, too. Well, he was the he was the same character. He was the holographic doctor. No, he wasn't playing, but he was playing the doctor before he became a hologram in that episode. Yeah. So yeah. he was the doctor, and then he was a holographic doctor version of that doctor. Yeah, he doctor. was playing doctor, I think, just Zimmerman. Yeah. Also, yeah. he was dead. He was just dead. He had a dead day. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how do you want to do this? Shall we start by establishing the plot? And along the way, we can we can mark off whether Maybe or not we hit our expectations. Way, we can learn something about ourselves, oh, the yeah. true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, we can come together and learn a little bit about friendship. Just just a little something about life. Okay, so the film is about a pair of uh, chucklehead cops that are friends, and we open on them driving around in like a '55 Cadillac convertible that's like cherry red. And Piscopo's drumming away on the dashboard, and it's it's your classic uh, odd couple type pairing. They're not they're not as the uptight one isn't as uptight as normal. In fact, he's mad that he's in a suit. Yeah, they're super jokey, but one of them's like, "I'm in a suit," and the other guy's like, "I make jokes, and I'm in like a leather jacket." And I gotta say, I've never really seen Piscopo in anything before. I managed to skip that era of SNL. Yeah, I don't really I didn't know what to expect from Piscopo going in. He is the smuggest joke delivery machine I have ever encountered. He is incapable of telling a joke without mugging for at least a good few seconds. Yeah, every time he'd be like, I wish I could come back as a lady's bicycle seat. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Anybody? Oh! Anybody? Come on! Come on, look at the smile! Come on! It was a joke you could tell from my mouth! <laughs> so he's he's a little Andrew Dice Clay for you. A little bit. A little bit Episcopalian, I guess. I, I, I mean, I'll have to check out some more Piscopo to see if it's true yeah, or not. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're a Reformed Lutheran. <laughs> Relapsed Lutheran, whatever. Prolapsed Lutheran. <laughs> Prolapsed Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> something the Lutheran shout out. <laughs> uh, 
great. All right, all right. moving right along. So th- we open on the two of them arguing about how they thought they were going to be plain clothes, but actually they're undercover. Uh, and then they immediately get called to a regular robbery. So yeah, it's, it's so weird. they show up in their normal car, in their normal clothes, let's, let's to not, let's a not. robbery that is already being covered by at least ten cop cars. But let's not call it a normal ro- car. They show up in a cherried out 50s Cadillac. Yeah. So they show up in a fancy car. And then, yes, yeah, they show up in a regular robbery, and yeah, like the SWAT teams are already there. Yeah, but no, it, this is totally covered. There is no way that they would call in a plainclothes squad, but... Whatever, that's fine. But they do, and then, uh, let's see, there are jewel thieves robbing a place, and the jewel thieves are... Uh, Humpty and Dumpty. Yeah, they're they're wearing, like, executioner masks, yeah, kinda. Yeah, those hoods that are, like, only cover your nose and... Eyes and the top of your head. Yeah. They, they leave the bottom half free, so you can look kinda like Daredevil. Yeah, it's a little daredevil Yeah, a little Daredevilian. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> And uh, it turns out that the two of them are zombies. So they, the police are unloading all kinds of bullets into them in what will become a recurring theme throughout the course of this film. The police will just stand there hosing them with bullets while they just stand there hosing bullets back out of Uzis. And I want to say I saw that scene like, what, a million times in yeah, this movie? give or take. Yeah, every single time any good guy met any bad guy, they just stand there emptying bullets into each other. So eventually the, uh, the two robbers get... Uh, handled. One of them gets hand-grenaded, and the other one gets hit by Robert Picardo's car. Yeah. Much to the chagrin of Robert Picardo. And he was never seen or heard from again. He walked upstairs, and that was the end of him. Like, <laughs> However, really... right after that, we do get to the scene with the angry black chief that is telling them that they need to get their act together and play by the book. Yep, he tells them that they're on double probation. He actually says two probations. Yep. They are mentions the number of parking tickets they have received and how they are loose cannons. Oh, it's amazing. It's exactly what we wanted. Uh, so that's one. And it's it's old enough that I'm not sure if it was being ironic or if it was actually just what you did back then. Well, we, people know exactly. I, I, I feel like even we can cover this real quick, but there's a reason why it's always a black chief. Yeah. Because that's a character that doesn't actually matter to the movie, so you can put them in the movie... And still be a racist Hollywood movie maker and be like, alright, we put a black guy in there because we have to. And look, he's in a position of power. Huh. Even though he gets ignored by his rogue police officers and he's only in one scene. Yeah. But he's and, in there. And that is the only black guy in the entire movie. That is correct. Uh, no, there's a zombie. There's a black zombie. Oh yeah, there's a, a black zombie. Yeah, so there you go. But that's, that's a thing in the 80s. Watch your 80s cop movies and the chief is always a black guy and he's always the only black guy. That's what makes the the occasional exception so good, like your diehards. Yeah. Where you've got a black character that actually has kind of a story and an arc. Yeah, or your lethal weapons. Yeah, again, where you have a black guy who is, I believe, too old for that shit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You know, I've only ever seen the second lethal weapon. You know, I've never seen a lethal weapon. Not a single one. You haven't seen a single lethal weapon movie? No. That brings up another thing you've never seen that from this film, because, okay, once they finally manage to off the zombies, we get a call from the coroner. And she says, hey, come on down to the coroner's office, because these guys are weird, and I want to talk to you about them. Yeah, we get the, you gotta see this cliche, and they yeah. head on down to the morgue. So they head to the morgue, and wouldn't you know it, he's been dating the sexy, or, uh, let's see, uh, Roger Mortis, our main character, as yes, played by Tree Williams. Right. Roger Mortis. Yeah, you heard it, you heard it here, his name's Roger Mortis. I love it so much. I want to keep, I want to copy that name, I want to make a character in a game now called Roger Mortis, and then pretend I never saw this movie. <laughs> Would you be willing to go in with me on this deep conspiracy? I'm willing to. Okay, you could be Doug Bigelow, the, yeah. the, the, uh, 
the Piscopo character. I can be Doug Bigelow, American Gigolo. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so yeah, she, they call Roger Mortis into the uh, coroner's office, and wouldn't you know it, he's been dating the sexy coroner, but hasn't talked to her in a while. Yeah, oh, I've got a phone. You don't have to come down here and look at a dead body in order to herf-a-derf-a-do. Yeah, a sexy coroner, that's... That's a trope from this and from uh, Men in Black, I think. I can't I can't well, think of another I one. I mean, it's a Hollywood movie. It's basically like a Halloween store in there and then you're like, "What are you? Sexy coroner? What are you? A sexy scientist?" Yeah, a sexy PR person. That's more or less believable. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's true. What isn't believable is that they're sexy cuz goddamn the 80s, right? <laughs> I I how did people reproduce? I was a kid. I was a kid in the 80s. And so when they were over, I didn't I you know, I I hit adolescence and I didn't have to deal with everyone wearing three foot shoulder pads and oh no back then you were like oh man look at her she's so broad in the shoulders and look at those mom jeans I gotta get in those mom jeans I gotta figure out what she actually looks like I've got no idea as far as I can tell she's wearing a refrigerator box and she's got her hair curled up into a defensive posture (laughs) (laughs) she's artificially inflated her hair to make her seem dangerous to predators yeah she's bigger so that they are frightened (laughs) yeah so, uh, so anyway, there's, that, that's both women in this movie are just 80s ladies. Oh, 80s a ladies. Lot, a lot of pantsuits. So, uh, so the, the coroner lady tells them that both of them had some drug in their system, which apparently was used as an antibiotic at some point in like the 40s, but this is suspicious somehow? Uh, yeah, sulfazithol or something, something made up. Uh, it sounded pretty close to the actual medicine that was given given up around the 40s, sulfonamolide, which was replaced with penicillin. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the and apparently they also are able to find the purchase manifests for any company that has purchased this drug. I don't know how they got that. I don't know, but it means that they get to drive to a fancy place. She also mentions to them that, uh, that, oh, sorry, that she recognized them because she had done autopsies on both of them before. Yeah. And she didn't know this until she noticed her own work in the stitches on them from their previous visit. Yeah, they had already been autopsied, and then she was like, oh yeah, I happen to have these pictures of my old autopsies lying around. And then she says, I never forget a body. Yeah. Which which she says to, uh, let's see, what's that guy's actual name? Darren McGavin, who you'd recognize as the kindly old dad from A Christmas Story. Well, you would if you had ever seen A Christmas Story, which I haven't. This is weird, because the two of us, you're always, you're always laughing at me for not having seen something obvious. Oh, I know. No, this this movie has really highlighted the random stuff that I have not seen. Yeah, because A Christmas Story, every character who was in that movie, you recognize them and everything else from that day forward. Even if you're watching gay porn and you see the one guy who, who went from A Christmas Story to gay porn. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's funny because that's, that's... Is it the kindly old dad? Well, no, it's a kid. It's one of the kids, I think. I don't remember which one exactly. But Does I think he double dog dare someone to lick a pole? I that's all might, I know about I think, that movie. I think he might be the one who licks the pole. I'm not sure. Yeah, he I, is. No, but, don't, <laughs> but before, before you take it, that, take it in that direction, here's the weird thing. This is there, There's a whole urban legend around this guy and how he, he's, <laughs> he, he makes his way from Christmas story to, to porn. He does, but he's one of those guys that's just in porns. Like, he, he's the kindly old dad, or he's the scientist, or he's the person, like, the pool cleaner who doesn't get laid. So it's always like, ah, uh, well, you kids have fun in here. I'm just gonna finish sweeping up and be on my way. And then after that, I assume you won't be banging each other. <laughs> that's, that's, he's like the introdu- the deucing guy. Oh yeah, no, he's, he's the one who shows up and is like, hey, Bill, your friend's here. Well, I gotta go. 
You two have fun. You guys keep hanging out so much. You must really enjoy each other's company. I got things to do. Bye. So I wonder if he he can't still be doing that because that has died out in porn. There's porn doesn't really bother with the story anymore. No, porn is just hey man, what's your name? Uh, Bill. You want to get fucked? Yeah, all right. Yeah, these days the only story left in porn is this woman has not previously done porn. Oh yeah, that's that's the only story left. Is they bring her in and they go, "Hi, would you like to make a movie?" I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed. I haven't been in this industry for three years. If that's what you're thinking. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, is that a penis? <laughs> it's so wonderful. Anyway, Donna, or this guy plays uh, another coroner, and he'll become important much later. Which at the first, at the beginning, when you first see him, you're like, "What's he doing there? We've already got a coroner. We don't need a kindly old dad coroner." Sure, we do. You gotta have the head corner. Yeah. Well, okay, so they head to the science place. Yeah, they go to Joe Dante Pharmaceuticals. Joe Dante Pharmaceuticals, which... Was it actually Joe Dante or was no, it just Dante? No, it was just Dante. It's just Dante. We're guessing Joe Dante because of the special effects in the film and because Joe Dante is kind of a... Yeah, a he, he made a bunch of movies that are similar-ish to this. Yeah, Joe Dante is kind of like the Joe Dante of being Roger Corman. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. That made sense. <laughs> Everyone is totally on board for that. <laughs> they know exactly what you're talking about. No one is confused. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, they go to Dante Pharmaceuticals and they meet, god, that, that guy at the beginning, that, that uh, dude reading penthouse who will not look up when they say, hey, we're police and we need to see a person. And he is looking at a fully clothed spread oh, in yeah, penthouse. Of a, of a relatively older woman in like a, uh, I want to say a madam outfit from like an 1870s saloon. Yeah. And she's the, she's the centerfold in this penthouse. Yep. And, uh, he is unwilling to avert his gaze from this fully clothed, medium hot lady. Yeah. It's, it's like he was looking at a picture from the greatest little whorehouse in Texas and he refused to stop. He was just like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's good because whore is in the title. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So they meet. The PR lady, and she takes them around, and she tells them that everything's p- fine, and then they get into a shootout because reasons. She tells them some scripty stuff that's very funny. She's like, they're like, hey, have you ever heard of this drug called sulfoniamyeliamiazon? And she's like, oh yeah, we use it for a wide variety of things. It has a lot of uses. And then she takes them back and she says, we make stuff that doesn't matter to most people. Toiletries, toilet paper, cosmetics, things that people don't want to talk about. And then they go, well, what about the sulfathiazinamol? And she goes, most people don't use it anymore. We use it to make one specific type of spray-on herbal supplement. Yeah. Well, I thought you made it for made lots of things out of it. No. J.K. Lol. No, the script said something different. The um. end. Then she shows them the chamber they use to kill animals. Yeah. Here's Here's the chamber in the middle of a hallway that we use to kill animals. We... Horribly decompress them? Yeah, they, they expose them to zero pressure. Like, like, they basically expose them to the vacuum of space. Which they, you know, uh, you know, in, in suburban Los Angeles. Yeah. But they have a machine that can suck all the air out of a room which causes embolisms and kills the animals. Great. Which, why? It's a pharmaceutical corporation. It's not hard to kill an animal. Yeah. You, I mean, you've got all of these drugs lying around and you had to build a space age chamber that sucks all the air out of a it's room. It's way more fun to make their blood boil out through their eyes. Let's, let's be honest here. That, that way no one can ever tell what kind of cosmetics we tested on them, am I right? Cause they're just, they're just pustules. Yeah, so that's, that's your first clue that maybe, just maybe, this company, not a nice company. Right. 
Then uh, Joe Piscopo sneaks away after making the smuggest announcement that he has to go to the bathroom. If you go to the little boy's room, I gotta make pee. Yeah. Uh. yeah and he adds a little, hey, uh, I gotta pee so bad my back teeth are floating. Is there a little boy's room? I need to urinate from my wang. <laughs> I've got hose water coming out my hose almost to the tip. Just every single time, pausing, checking to make sure everyone knew it was a joke. Uh, so yeah. So he finds the resurrection machine, and because he found that, uh, there was a biker with uh, two split faces. Face. Yeah, he had like two faces split together. I guess the impression was supposed to be that he had died from a face-first bike accident. Maybe? I don't know. He just was gross looking. It was it was clearly just a good, gross special effects mask. Oh yeah. No, whoever did the effects was like, do you know what I could do? I could make a guy look like this, and they're like, oh sweet, do it. Yeah, so, he's a big fat dude, and they get in a fight, and then... uh Treat Williams hears this, I'm sorry, Roger Mortis hears this, and then he runs off to, to help him, but gets stuck in the decompressing chamber and and uh, summarily decompressed. Yep. And that's good, but thankfully we have a resurrection machine, so... There's a big old resurrection machine in the next room, which they get unfettered fettered access to as long as they want. Yeah, no one else is in the building now, apparently. And by they, I mean the coroner who shows up. Yeah. She just pops in in a travel outfit of... The world's longest sweater. God damn the 80s. <laughs> She's wearing like a sweater trench coat. Yeah, no, this is this is what you would wear if you were in the 80s and you were like, you know what I need? I need something to tell people that I'm sexy, but also a grandma. Yeah, that's perfect. I can't carry my ear horn with me everywhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a three foot long sweater. The kind that goes down to my knees and is open in the front. It's a, it's a little sexy though. You can see my neck. Hey guys. Would you like to see what I'd look like in a knitted lab coat? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So they put him on the resurrection machine and zap him full of zappos. And then he wakes up and he feels fine, but oh my gosh, he doesn't have a pulse. And that's when we go to Zombie Cop. And uh, let's see, you had an expectation that uh, we'd have to see a lot of, um, or hear a lot of jokes about him being dead. Yeah, and I was almost right in that instead of it being a lot of jokes about him being dead... It's just him continually saying, and I'm dead. Yeah, he says he's dead a lot, and then a lot of people tell him things that sound like they might be jokes. Like, they have the setup and, and, and structure of of a joke, but they aren't funny. So you hear things like, uh, hey, you don't look so good for your condition. Or you're a good runner for being a dead person. Oh, yeah, now the whole thing is just like, hey, you can't do that in here. Yeah, well, I'm dead. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, that's there's a lot of that. You're gonna get arrested, but I'm dead. Just <laughs> it just moves on like that. So anyway, at this point, we've established he's dead. We've also established that the coroner thinks she can fix him. Yep. But oh my gosh, here's the twist, guys. He has 12 hours, or he'll melt into a puddle of dead guy juice. Yeah, he will be a horrible cadaver stew. Yeah, he'll turn into a black pool of goo on the ground. Yep, and so now he's got to find his killer. Yeah, that's the first thing he says is, well, i got to figure out who killed me. i I got to solve this case. I'm a cop. Yep, and then later they keep referencing, like, aren't you a cop? Shouldn't you be doing this? Yeah, but I'm dead. (laughs) So, isn't this illegal? Yeah, well, I'm dead. Yeah, a lot of that. Anyway, they go to find the PR lady who has gone to her house and is trying to escape. And I still have no idea why they decided they needed to find the PR lady, it's like, 
Okay, something weird happened at a zoo, and I've gotta find the guy who sold me a ticket to get in, because obviously that's the guy who'll know what's going on. Well, they, in this case, it turned out they were right, but yeah, throughout the whole course of the film, they're just like, "Come, you're coming with us. It's like, she's hey, like, you PR lady, you give tours around this place. You must know exactly what's going on with zombies. And you're like, how? Why? Why would she know that? Like, who, who tells the receptionist, oh, hey, by the way, uh, we're, we're doing zombie stuff in the back. Let me give you all the details of it, and try not to let people know when you give them tours. She's the only person left with a connection to the company that they know about. I imagine that's probably why. Because, I mean, that, that weirdo who literally would not stop looking at pornography. Well, they, he's like, dead. They never once go, you know what we should do? Talk to the owner of the company. No. Not a single time. No, although they do, the very next scene, we do find out who the owner of the company was. Yep. Yeah. Arthur P. Loudermilk. Oh, Loudermilk. We see him very briefly in a video will that his daughter was trying to escape with because the PR lady is his daughter, and he's Vincent Price. Yep, he certainly is, and his last will is that his daughter will complete his life's work of finding those 13 ghosts. Yeah, yeah, she's got to solve the, the mystery of the 13 ghosts and evade the two ghosts that follow them around bothering them, and one of their names is Bogle. I don't remember and the other Boogle. one. Boogle and Bogle, sure. I do remember the little kid's name was Flim Flam. By the way, we're talking right now about the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, one of the mini Scooby-Doo spin-off series that have occurred over the years. And probably one of my favorites. Really? One of your favorites? Yeah. I don't know why, because I think the original Scooby-Doo is a little boring for me. The original Scooby-Doo is boring. The best one is Scooby-Doo Movies. Let's no, well, the best one is Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, the, the new, new one? animated series. I, I don't know. Oh, it's amazing. I'm sure it's quite good, but can it Ladies ever... and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, if you've got Netflix, go find yourself some Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. It's excellent. You won't be disappointed. And if, if I may suggest to the ladies and gentlemen that just go on YouTube instead and watch Scooby-Doo movies, specifically the one where the Three Stooges try to use ghosts to defend a, a uh, haunted gold mine attraction that they have purchased. Yeah. Because that's the best. Everything about the Scooby-Doo movies is the best. Because it's just <laughs> it's just weird celebrities. Have, Sonny and Cher Sonny and Scooby. Yeah. Or the Harlem Globetrotters have decided to practice baseball in a quiet swampside shack. Really? The Harlem Globetrotters are practicing baseball? Sure, why not? I mean, they certainly walk around according to height. That's that's a thing that happens in the. <laughs> those are those are the best. So anyway, those are. But thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo only ran for like a season. I don't think it ever got finished. Yeah, I don't think they ever caught all thirteen ghosts, which is unfortunate. It was supposed to be a Scooby Doo that had a continuity. Like each episode didn't really feel like it was connected, but basically Vincent Price as himself was sending them on missions along with his grandson Flim Flam. And the only surviving people from the original team were Shaggy, Scooby, and Daphne. Also, I believe he's Vincent Van Gool in this. You're right. He is Vincent Van Gool. Thank you. But yeah, Shaggy, Scooby, and Daphne, who doesn't look like Daphne because haircuts have advanced <laughs> over the ten years. Yes. And I, I think, was Scrappy on that too? Yes, unfortunately he was. Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah. that's how right. you know it isn't any good. So thank you for listening to our review of Scooby-Doo and the Thirteen Ghosts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about the Scooby-Doo movie yet. Did you want to do that? <laughs> just say no. Just say no. <laughs> just like the 80s. Just say no. <laughs> All right, good. So uh, I guess we have to get back on track. Where the heck were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, Vincent Price is her grandfather. And, yeah. And and he... we I, I could have sworn when I first saw him in a video will, I was like, oh, he's not even in this movie. They pulled one of those last appearances by a uh, beloved celebrity thing. Well, no. It was just one of those things I assumed was going to be... Hey, hey, this guy's in our movie. And then they just went, 
Look, man, come into the studio for like five minutes. You don't have to work with anyone else. We'll just tape it real quick. You can get out and we can use your name. You don't even have to change clothes. You can just pull a big blanket up over yourself. Yeah. So I I assumed that was what was happening here. Yeah. Turns out he does show up later. Yeah, he's briefly Hooray. at the end of the film again. So that, that's good for him. But yeah, so the uh, the house gets attacked by zombies. We get our second and last black person of the movie as a zombie. Yeah, and they dispatch these zombies in stupid ways, mostly involving expensive-looking L.A.-style pools. Yeah, one gets electrocuted in a jacuzzi, and the other guy gets stabbed, and then they leave him there, even though he is obviously still alive because he is a zombie and just been stabbed. Yeah, he's swimming away. You can actually see him swimming away. Yeah. I guess they're just done with him. Well, it doesn't matter. He's going to melt into goo. Yeah, no, and one of my favorite jokes of, uh, they had fucking Roger Mortis hiding in the jacuzzi for five minutes. He goes, man, you held your breath for five minutes in there. You gotta teach my girlfriend that trick. I'm like, really? Why do you want your girlfriend to sit in a jacuzzi for five minutes? I don't understand, <laughs> Piscopo. Well, see, why would you want that? Well, it's because every time you hear a Piscopo joke, you need to assume that there's a penis in there. Well, Just... why, why would you want him to have his girlfriend be underwater for five minutes and have a penis there? Oh, I, I, I don't know. You're right. You're absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. It's, I mean, it's nonsensical. I just don't get it. It's hard to put together. It's yeah. true. Uh, anyway, then they find out from the PR lady once they've established that they'll arrest her if she doesn't start talking to them. And that if they, if they don't arrest her, they're gonna drag her around with them everywhere they go. Again, I'm like, why wouldn't you just arrest her if you think she was behind something or question her? They're like, oh, we gotta go see this, uh, fucking Chinese restaurant owner. You're coming with us. And she's like, why? And they're like, yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> they, literally, in the thing, they're just like, but why do I need to go? Because we don't want to let you out of our sight. Okay, but why? Yeah. So they go to a Chinese restaurant, and there's a big mean Chinese butcher, and he's threatening, and then an old Chinese guy comes out, and he's threatening. And then he, in the coolest scene in the movie. Yeah, the best scene in the movie. This is the absolutely the best part. It turns out the Chinese guy owning this restaurant, who's been buying drugs from uh, from the company that turned people into zombies... Uh, also has a machine that turns people into zombies, so he flips a switch to turn it on, and it brings to brings to life all the Chinese food in the restaurant. Yeah, so all of the, like, hanging ducks and the chicken bits and, like, the pigs. Yeah, and a, and a whole cow, like, torso. Yeah. giant, one of those giant side of beef things that's just sort of a stripped cow comes out, and it is amazing. It's awesome. This is the joy of practical effects for me. This was the scene where we were like, wow, this is kind of like watching old Gremlins movies, because it was just like, you could tell they were just fighting puppets of greasy roast ducks, but it was so good. Oh, it was wonderful. Because if they had tried to CGI that, it would have been garbage. And the whole scene, there's all this lightning all over because the machine that turns people to zombies is really lightning-y. Yeah, so it just, it's zapping the entire room all the time. And it keeps bringing all these, like, duck heads to life, and it's, it's great. There's one scene where, where, uh, Treat Williams has a, a, like, liver stuck to his face. Like, the zombie of a liver. Yeah, the liver just jumped onto his face and is attempting to kill him. And I like, though, that, so in the rest of the movie, it's established that when you bring someone back, they're mostly themselves, or just sort of, if it's been too long, maybe a little brain dead, whatever. Mm -hmm. Except, these things, just like in life, they decided to attack everything. Oh, right, Like, you yeah. bring a duck back, and the duck's like, you know what I need to do is just attack people. Oh, yeah. The first thing I want to do if I'm a side of beef, I find myself in a freezer, is beat my way out of the freezer and then fall on the first person I can. Yep. It, it, it's a little it's a little weird, but it's funny. It's oh, it's, oh, it's a great scene, like yeah. I said. It's just sort of silly. And then it ends on some wrap-up joke from Piscopo that's just the worst. Like, after this great scene of fighting puppets for, like, five minutes, he goes, well... 
I want to vomit. Oh, good. Thank you for that. That was some clever wordplay you've done there. Yeah, I mean, come on. Can you do better? I, oh, I feel like I'm going to want to fight those things again in an hour. Ah, oh, come on. That's That was nothing. That was just off the cuff, and it was great. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you had two decent lines in there. I mean, you had the, uh, now I'm going to be a vegetarian when he's getting attacked by a pig. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, how do we stop the big side of beef? We can drown it in A1 sauce. That was terrible. Oh, his, that was great. His delivery was atrocious. His what delivery and everything is yeah, atrocious. I, I, I don't th- care. There's a reason why he's not still in the in the films, I'm assuming. But, but they're like, how do we kill this thing? I do not know. Perhaps we could drown it in A1-style steak sauce available at many retailers. <laughs> uh, Come on. Smile, uh, smile. Uh, uh, anyone? Yeah. Hey, that guy heard it. Yeah, you know. He's smiling right yeah. there. That guy got my joke. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they win and beat the the food, and then sh- finally, after five minutes, they go, "Wait a minute, why don't we just shoot the machine that's turning it all to life?" I okay, that that's a logical consistency break for me because he's alive and he's not near one of those lightning machines all the time. We're talking about Tree Williams right now. So when they shoot the lightning machine to turn it off, should he die too, or should all the d- ducks and shit stay alive? Also, during the scene, they kill the Chinese butcher guy. And he falls on the ground, and there's lightning in there. How come he doesn't get up as a zombie? Well, I think they shot him just in the side, so he might not have been dead yet. Oh, he's just injured? Oh, yeah. that's, that's fair enough. I can see that. That, yeah. that. that makes some sense. I would have liked to see him get back up and be a mean zombie in the scene. Yeah, that, that would have been an interesting thing, because when they shoot him and he goes down, he's like, Wow, just one bullet? Yeah. And that was a good joke, because up until this point, they've been emptying rounds into people and nothing happens, and he shoots a guy and he goes down. He's like, Oh, hey, wow. <laughs> Yay! A lot of times, Joe Piscopo makes the same joke, which is, uh, remember when you'd shoot stuff and it would die? Uh, uh, my bullets oh. do not kill people out of my gun. Also, let me just say, fucking Treat Williams, Roger Mortis, should have been dead years ago because he is the literal worst cop at his job. Oh, yeah, he just stands up and tries to hose enemies down. Like, Even when he's alive. He's just like, oh, you got a gun? I'll just stand up near you and shoot at you. Like, there are, the first time he takes a bunch of shots to the chest in this, he didn't know he was going to survive it. Like, yeah. he was super surprised that he was still alive after that happened. He was like, oh, hey, what do you know? I'm a zombie. But you, you're so bad at your job. Like, every time you do anything, it's just, all right, well, uh, I'm going to try and do this. I got shot a bunch. I got stabbed. I got thrown into whatever. I'm like, well, man, just, how did you live this long? Just take the scene where he steals uh, Robert Picardo's car and tries to drive it into one of the zombies that's robbing a jewelry store. Because he gets, he, he's, he goes, hey, I'm going to take your car. Picardo's like, no, don't take my car. And he goes, okay, I'm doing it. And he gets up, and then he walks all the way across the line of fire. Like, he walks 50 yards across an area where two thugs are hosing with two Uzis each. Yep. And then he gets to this car and starts the car. Then he drives to the end of the block, turns around, drives to the other end of the block, turns around again, drives to the middle, and finally hits the zombie. Yep. And it's like, well, what are you doing? This- yeah, no, the, uh, the problem with all of this is really that I I mean, maybe you could say, sure, now he knows he's a zombie and he doesn't give a fuck anymore. Alright, sure. But again, so much in this film just shows him being, like, reckless and haphazard before he gets resurrected and even after when he doesn't realize it, that I'm like, there's no way that you live to be this long. You are the worst cop. No, he's terrible. And, and not only that, but he's supposed to be the good cop of the two of them. Yeah. Because Piscopo is kind of supposed to be the loose cannon, crazy wild guy who makes jokes about how he's never been in a library before. Which, that's fair. I mean, maybe you've never been in a library. We got the internet now. Yeah. When was the last time you were in a library? But, I mean, this is 1988. He's got no excuse. Anyway. Anyway. 
They find out that this... The reason they're going to the Chinese restaurant at all is because the Chinese restaurant guy had been drawing, buying the same drug that makes people into zombies. They go backstage and they find out some stuff, like some evidence that, that points to who yeah. did this. And uh, they find that uh, people that have been dying have, like, date the dates of their death and what happened and so on. And they figure out fucking Arthur P. Loudermilk is on the list. Yeah. And so then they go to try and find his grave. And it turns out it's empty and there's a typewriter in there and... And a lamp. And a lamp that has a secret code number written on it. There's numbers on the lamp. Did the numbers come up again? Were they a yes. thing? Yes. What were they? It was a secret code from the phone. If you put letters to oh. the numbers, it spelled body dock. And the reason body dock is important is because the uh, head coroner, the, the head coroner guy, has a license plate that is a vanity plate that says body dock. So why do you think? Why do you think Vincent Price decided to take the guy's license plate? transcribe it into numbers, and then write it in red ink on the inside of a lampshade in his mausoleum. Well, he didn't want uh, anyone to discover that he was going to be telling people about this. Yeah, yeah, you explain this. You, so, okay, okay, hold on. Okay. See, the, the weird thing for me is, Loudermilk is in on it with the coroner guy. Yeah. Which means he wouldn't be trying to give a clue, so someone else had to write it on there. But it's obviously he knew who was behind it, and instead of writing the name of the guy behind it, or the letters that, or the numbers that would correspond to the letters of the guy, they did his license plate? Yeah, they did some weird Batman-y shit. Like the, like, ri- like the Riddler did this. And it, it doesn't make any sense. Neither of them, uh, th- these are the first people in this mausoleum other than Vincent Price, who apparently left a code to decipher, to, to reveal the name of his accomplice. It's, and it, and, Unless you were specifically one of these two people that knew that that guy's license plate was body dock, if anyone else discovered it and deciphered it and was like, oh, it says body dock, and they go, okay, so what, every doctor then? Who, what, ev- what is a body dock? Like, okay, I guess not a psychiatrist? Also, body dock off that numbers on a phone thing? Like, that could say body DOA. Or coddy dob. <laughs> ah, yes, Dr. Cotty Dog. It was Dr. Cotty Dog. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, they'll never find me. I'm Dr. Cotty Dog. Pretty sure that's a palindrome. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, I, I, anyway, that's stupid. Then, then uh, let's see, they split up at this point. Right around this point, they split up. Uh, Piscopo goes off on his own, and Treat Williams goes off on his own. And uh, they discover Piscopo's body, having been tied up and then dropped headfirst into an aquarium where he drowned. Yeah. And we didn't even know who it was, because the body, the fake body they used for Piscopo doesn't look anything like him. Oh, yeah, it was garbage. And it, they, lo- it was terrible. Also, all the way up through that point in the movie, they had only called him Bigelow. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, Bigelow, you're, you're so weird, Bigelow. And oh. then they find him, and they're like, Doug! Oh, Doug, what happened to you? I'm like, who the fuck is Doug? Hey, I found Doug. Someone killed Doug. Oh, what happened to Bigelow? I don't know. <laughs> it took us like four scenes later to process that Doug's uh, Bigelow's first name is Doug. Yeah, it was terrible, it was so dumb. And then, then okay, after that, the two of them are recouping, and uh, the late the PR the two of them being the PR lady and Treat Williams, yeah, the PR lady who has continually been dragged along everything. Yeah, and then finally, finally breaks down and is like. No, I knew everything. You were right all along. Also, I'm another one of the zombies, she says right before she melts. Yeah, Louder Milk brought me back to life and gave me a job as a PR lady for some reason. Uh, also, uh, I'm melting. Yeah, and then she has a gross scene where she melts. And it's a really well done gross scene. 
It is again it's, almost. It's a it is a great gross scene, but it goes from zero to full melt almost instantly. Yeah. Whereas we've been watching uh Treat Williams. Williams' character go through this slow decomposition throughout the entire movie where he gets more pale and blotchy and fucked up. And then with her it's like, I'm totally normal. Whoop, no, oh, I'm melting. Oh, I melted. And her melting scene is super gross, and then her head falls off and rolls into the corner, where it announces, this is a disembodied head, by the way, it goes, I'm sorry, uh, Roger, forgive me. And then it melts some more, and it's just a skeleton, and the skeleton says, forgive me again. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That was a great little sequence. Yeah. I love it when heads can talk by themselves. It's the best. Who doesn't love that? It's the best. I love it whenever people don't take lungs into account in a movie. Like, say, for example, when the guy's getting crushed by the rock roller in in Temple of Doom. Yeah, or when that guy's getting crushed by the rock. Oh, yeah, when the guy's getting crushed by the rock. Wait, 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 when that guy is crushing on the rock, you mean me? Yeah, you mean both of us? Yeah. So hard? Yeah, the rock. So hard right now? Isn't he just the dreamiest? He is a dream boat. Yeah, let's let's get <laughs> this has been this has been what the two of us think about the Rock. Look for that in every one of these forever. This has been Rock Watch. It's got nothing to do with his wrestling career, by the way. He's just a, he just takes terrible movies and makes them amazing. Which also, I did watch his wrestling career when he was a wrestler, and it was a very brief period that I watched wrestling. But basically, as soon as he left, I was done. Because why would I watch wrestling if the Rock isn't there? I, just to get this make this clear, there's that movie that he made with Michael Bay. I forget what it's specifically called. It also has Wahlberg in it, and they play like, uh, and, and what's uh, Sam, the guy who Pain plays, and Gain. Pain and Gain. And also the guy who plays the Falcon, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Yeah, that I, guy. I have, I have Sam Wilson stuck in my head, cause that's, <laughs> cause that's the Falcon's name. <laughs> Great. Anyway, the three of them are playing like, like bodybuilders slash low time criminals. That movie is a Michael Bay movie, so it shouldn't be any good. However, it's got the rock in it. And he's amazing and he makes everything amazing. There's that scene where he's just barbecuing hands. That is so good. Oh my gosh, that movie. Okay. Moving so, right, right back to it. So now they know the big secret. Yeah. And, uh, as such, they go to confront, uh, Donovan, no, uh, just McNabb. His last name's McNabb. I keep calling him Donovan McNabb because that's a person. Because <laughs> that's a football player. Oh, that's what, okay, good. I've had that in my head. I remember that Topper McNabb is an NPC in World of Warcraft. Huh. And that uh, Donovan McNabb is some kind of name. But this guy's last name is McNabb. And again, dad from the Christmas story. So it's really hard to watch him as the bad guy. But but there he is. There he is, being a bad guy. And he uh, has a showdown with our zombie Treat Williams. And then he gets... He gets the upper hand. Because uh, the Chinese restaurant guy and two of his zombies show up and subdue him. Yeah, but there's this great scene where Treat Williams has to walk back and forth in front of McNabb's desk and explain McNabb's plot for the audience. Oh, yeah. Where he's just like, you discovered a way to bring dead bodies back to life, and you were going to use it to give yourself and your rich friends immortality. And then it's you decided... You've been experimenting on these criminals who came into the morgue, and you took them, and when they came back, you tested them out by having them steal things for you. And you're like, okay, yeah, we get it. Thank you, exposition zombie. Yeah, so he gives a bunch of exposition. Then he gets caught and chained up in an ambulance. Next to his now-dead girlfriend! Yeah, they killed the other coroner lady off-screen. Yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca, Rebecca the coroner. Rebecca the coroner. Rebecca the manager of Baloo from the uh, the air, air yeah, kind Re- company. Yeah, Rebecca... Blue. Cunningham. De Mornay. De Mornay. Yeah, that Rebecca. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Is it Du Mornay? Uh, no. All right. No, it's not. Okay, great. Well, Shh. 
Shut up. We've established this. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, they they uh, they handcuff him in a ambulance, and they point out that he has about forty five minutes till he melts. And so great, you're gonna melt here next to your dead lady, and we will assume that is fine. Goodbye. Then he goes on a daring escape, which he does by kicking the parking brake out so that the uh, ambulance rolls down a hill and explodes. And then he gets up, and at this point, he no longer looks like Tree Williams as a cop. He instead looks... I'm going to say, this is going to be hard to believe, but I'm going to try and get this across. He looks like a young Bill Murray that's dressed as a half Beetlejuice, half the crow. Uh, I would say if anyone has seen Sometimes They Come Back, uh, you'll know the roadkill scene... Sort of like that, only on half of his face. Mm-hmm. The other half, very Beetlejuice. Yeah, a little bit Beetlejuice, a little bit Bill Murray in Zombieland. <laughs> you're a little bit Beetlejuice. And you're a little bit Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what song we're singing. It's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. Oh, no wonder God, I was... get your shit together. Whatever, I... It's a little bit country... Ugh. <laughs> you know I will only participate in duets from the Disney oof. <laughs> you know the only songs I know are Tom Petty. That's still that part of that. But I'll also do any Disney duet that you want. Yeah. A whole new Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. Okay, and then he tells a cop. He gets out and these cops are like pointing guns at him. And he walks over to one and shows him his badge and is like, Yeah, I'm a cop. A cop is what I am. Give me your gun and your motorcycle. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. It's not terribly far off. I mean, yeah. he's wearing a black leather jacket, and he... No, it was it's very Terminator-y from here on as well. Yeah. Oh, especially Terminator-y, because from this point, he just gives... He knows he's a zombie now. So he gives up on any pretense of doing anything but standing there adjacent to other zombies and emptying Uzi clips into them. Which, okay, so he finds uh, Louder Milk has a group of rich people. They're in the Dante Pharmaceutical place. He's like, I'll give you all immortality if you give me half your wealth. Meh. Oh, yeah, Vincent Price pops back in. He's, you know, he's super old. This is this has got to be one of his later appearances, but... But he's just going like, yes, and, and, and you, you know that rich people are meant to live forever. Yes. And if, and if God doesn't like it, we'll pay him off. Yeah, so there's a lot of him doing, he gets a big old crazy scene of him just walking around between a bunch of old rich people trying to schmooze them into paying half their fortunes. Yes, the cost will be half your fortune, but you'll make it back, cause you'll have time! Yeah, and, so we get, <laughs> We get Roger Mortis walking into this place, just shooting everyone. And every time he shoots them, he tells them to sit down or not to stand up. Yeah. And there is one of my favorite shootouts in this, which is him and another zombie, both with automatic weapons, just shooting each other for what had to be at least a good minute and a half, two minutes, of them just, he slowly walks towards this guy, and they're just shooting each other. Just over and over, nothing happens because they're both zombies, but it goes on. Forever. Yeah, and, and the whole time, you know, it's one of those phone check moments. Because you're like, alright, we've already established what bullets do in this thing. <laughs> we've got it, thank you. This is not exciting television. And then uh, he wins because the zombie is being shot backwards by the force of bullets, and he lands in that decompression chamber. And then he hits the button to decompress him, and throws a grenade in there, and shoots some bullets in there just to be sure that his gr- his grenade and decompression will... Uh, yeah, will- you know, just in case, it he was gonna die if he had just had a couple more bullets. Yeah. Just few, a couple. few more things. He also threw in a couple of poisonous snakes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, sure. And then he walks into the room where there's a bunch of old people and immediately tells them not to stand up. Again, because he really he really hates it when people change from standing to sitting. That's yeah. That's his big zombie fear. And then uh, he shoots some of the rich people. Yeah, Actually, shoots... I think 
I think the guy trying to shoot him shot the rich people. Uh, we, we, it's it's hard to establish because they get shot in you know shots that don't include the oh, shooter. Yeah. There's a lot of back and forth uh, perspective switches, Between and then the... it just shows rich people being shot. Yeah, so you're not sure who's hitting them because these rich people are basically innocent in this scene. They're, oh they're... yeah, well a lot of them were like, no, I don't want to be a part of this. You're insane. Yeah, they've attended like Louder Milk's lecture to be polite to him. And he's like, I can make you live forever. Yes. And they're like, that's stupid. We don't want to live forever. We're old. That or they're like, I don't believe you. I think this is horseshit. And then they get killed by by maybe the main character. We aren't sure. Yeah. Ma- maybe. Maybe. And then uh, after he's finished killing probably some rich people and, and uh, Vincent Price runs off to another room and they've established they aren't really mad at Vincent Price. I, I, I guess because he's just the money. Maybe. We don't but really- it's... It's so weird because he's obviously the person behind all of this. He is himself a zombie. Yeah. He's been brought back. He's all about using this technology to keep his rich friends alive. He has to have been, if not masterminding, just funding this. Yeah. And yet, they're like, ah, that guy can run away. We don't care. What we want is you, well, dad from a Christmas story. Well, let's let's be careful here because we're saying we... But at this point, it's still just Tree Williams. He's just like, I'm not here for you, weird old man I haven't met before, but I saw in a video, Will. I'm here for that guy. I want to kill that guy. And then, that guy, Donovan McNabb again, uh, is like, I don't think so. And he presses a button, and it reanimates Doug Bigelow. Yeah, because they got his body back. Now, okay, so Doug Bigelow died at the House House of... of the PR Lady. Yeah. They were there. They went straight from there to the pharmaceutical company where uh, the uh, body doc guy was. Now, during this time, someone went back to that PR lady's house, got his body, brought it back to there, and had it undercover before everyone got in a circle around the machine yeah. because it was already laying there when they got in there because they didn't know a dead body was in there. Right, so they have this... So the main characters go and find a corpse of their good friend, uh, Joe Piscopo, and then they leave it. And then, after that, the bad guys come through and claim it again after they killed it in the first place. They could have killed it... They could have killed yeah, him. they could have killed him and left him in or, the machine to begin with. Or just taken him with them. But no, they wanted to leave him there to leave a message that, hey, we killed Doug. And then they leave, and then they come back and like, oh, sweet, let's get Doug again. Yeah, we're gonna, glad they didn't take him or report this or go to oh, a corner or anything. That would have been weird. Yeah. I mean, where would we get another body? Yeah, bodies are hard to find. Uh, but, especially since the guy running this is in charge of the goddamned morgue. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is another one of my favorite weird continuity breaks in this, is uh, Vincent Price's big plan is to reanimate Doug Bigelow to show all these old rich people that he can do it. But as soon as they actually reanimate Doug Bigelow, they say, while he's waking up, oh, he's been dead for way too long, and when he gets up, he's going to be a mindless, stupid zombie. Well, how good of a demonstration is that for these old rich people? Like, hey guys, if you die, I can bring you back to life as mindless, brain-eating idiots. Also, we... Okay, so we had established that the two guys who had robbed the store at the beginning of the movie had already been autopsied, which means they were dead for a long goddamn time. Right. However... They, at the beginning, were able to talk, make jokes, yeah, they rob had some a banter. store. Like, they, were, they were mean to an old lady. Yeah, they were seemingly completely in control of their faculties. Okay, so basically what we're establishing here is that the zombie rules in this movie don't work. Apparently. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, undead Bigelow, why don't you go murder that guy? And, and then... Why don't I go murder that guy? Why don't I go murder that guy? Hey, 
Remember this dumb joke you made that was stupid and everyone hated earlier in the film? Remember, the Remember ones, that? Remember that scene where I tried to put lipstick on because my lips were going pale and we were making fun of the color? Huh? 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 Come on! And he's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember making fun of you because I checked around to see who thought it was funny. Oh, I remember that. I was implying you were a homosexual. That's correct. I told you it brought out your eyes as if later we were going to get to butt banging. <laughs> And so then he instantly goes from being brain dead to exactly the way he was before. Yeah, and then they advance slowly on on uh, McNabb, who shoots himself. Yep, he it, will not give them the satisfaction. He will kill himself. Thankfully, he, there is no way that that could ever backfire. I mean, it's not like there's a way they could bring him back that he is standing in front of. <laughs> so then they bring him back to life on the resurrection machine, and, and uh, even. At this point, because this is uh, this is Tree Williams' idea, like, oh, we're going to bring him back so I can keep messing with him. So they bring him back to life, and then uh, Bigelow, uh, Joe Piscopo, says, well, why are we doing this? He's going to be alive. He'll be like an unkillable zombie. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to bring him back to life twice, and presses the button again, and more lightning blows him up. Yeah, so apparently, if you're brought back, you're double alive, and being double alive means you explode. Right, except that that already happened to Tree Williams earlier in the film. Yeah, because... He was zombie and walked into the Chinese restaurant where the lightning was hitting everything to bring it back to life. Didn't do a thing to him. Good job, movie. Yeah. Love it. And then the two of them walk into the sunset as Vincent Price pleads with them not to destroy their machine. Which, it seems like they were just going to leave. And then he's like, don't destroy my machine. And then they turn around and are like, oh yeah. And then shoot the machine a bunch. Yeah. Like, if, if Vincent Price had just let them walk away and then turned the machine off quietly, everything would have been fine. But no. Then they walk off into literally a white light. Like, just, like, the, the end of the hallway that they're walking down is hey, just do you, the white. do you think that there's reincarnation? Oh, my God, the reincarnation joke. I swear I predicted it to the word. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to come back as, you know, like, like a senator or, a, or like, I don't know, someone in power. What, what would you want to come back as? Oh, I think I'd like to come back as a lady's bicycle seat. Oh! Oh, no, sorry, a girl's bicycle seat. And I mean a little girl. Little girl, little girl. I mean, like... I mean, like seven. I want, I want little streamers to be on the handlebars. Is what I'm saying here. Yeah, I really want to come back as a bike because I think bikes are pretty. This isn't a, a reference to vaginas in any way. No, I just want to be pretty, just for once in my life. Yeah, I, I want, want to feel pretty. I want one of those little dring dring horns. You know, little bell dring dring. That I want that. That's what I am on the inside. Yeah, deep inside. I've been trying to tell you for years. <laughs> I'm a bikosexual. Ah, he's bike-sexual. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, he's bike-curious. <laughs> oh, how droll. Okay. So that's the end of the film. Now, okay, let's go through the things that we predicted would be in the film. Uh, a lot of references to being dead. We talked about that one. Uh, there are, but they're not humorous. They're just him saying he's dead. Yep. Uh, a romance scene involving uh, references to being dead. No, not really. Not really, because both women die, and one of them dies unceremoniously off-screen. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, there's some reference, there's some jokes about him being, like, uh, you know, dead and maybe doesn't, maybe he's lost interest in women and so on, but there's no gross-out sex scene with him. In fact, there's almost no gross-out scenes with him at all until he's picking face, uh, bits until of his he face get, Yeah, off. until he gets burned. Yeah, he gets burned near the end. Now, how the- did he get burned? Oh, I don't know how he got burned. How'd he get burned? How'd he get burned? How'd he get burned? I don't know how he got burned. I do know that killing him won't bring back your honey. Oh. Oh, that's unfortunate. I really want some honey. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's see. What else do we predict? An angry chief. Spot on. Exactly like what I imagined would be in there. 100%. And uh, some gross, gross zombie jo- uh, humorous jokes 
Not jokes, just zombie stuff. And there were some great gross-out scenes. I was surprised at the quality of some of the gross-out scenes in yeah, this. Yeah, no, it's good. It was super awesome. I would uh, I would prefer if a movie would do more dumb things like that. Lots and lots of physical, like, real-world props. Yeah, lots of dumb, jokey physical comedy. I liked it. It was good. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with that. Uh, just about everything else in the movie, though, was... Oh, yeah. No, uh, there was the... The lines, the actual dialogue were oh, just so, subpar. Just mean. Like, like <laughs> the deliveries were so... Uh, it's It was such a treat to see Darren McGavin. You know, it was such a treat, Williams. He, oh, treat Williams was all... I'd say Treat Williams and Darren McGavin were the best parts about this movie. Because the two of them were reasonably good actors. They weren't piscopoing around. Yeah. The two women in the movie are extremely stiff. Uh, but Darren <laughs> McGavin, because <laughs> uh, they're, uh, they're dead. Uh. <laughs> anyway, Darren McGavin, who uh, plays the the big bad guy, just talks exactly like he does in a Christmas story. Oh, ho, ho, oh, lock him in there. Close the gate. Close the gate. Oh, we're gonna get. Okay, let's go over this way. He's, he's so good. He's so fluid and, and, and cool. So it's was, it was worth it just to see him again. Yeah, I love that guy. And uh, I don't know. How do you want to end these things? You want to do a quick right. rate and review or something? Yeah, let's do the let's do the quick uh, best and worst in the oh, movie. Yeah. We'll just take our favorite thing or, or thing from System Mastery. Why yeah. not? Okay, great. Uh, John, what would you say was your favorite thing about Dead Heat? Uh, definitely gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Vincent Price's little monologue at the end there. Oh, it yeah. was nice that they actually brought him in for the movie instead I, of just the tape. I was really worried that he was just gonna be in it for the tape, and it was gonna be one of those like what they used to do with uh with uh the guy Bella Lugosi. Oh yeah, no, it, the fact that he actually had some lines, and it was actually one of the better scenes in there because. He was being all Vincent Price at people. Yeah. So it was great. Now, I know you did that just so you could leave the practical effects for me. I did. Uh, so, it's, it's your funny, favorite thing. Because my favorite thing is how right we were about the black cop. Because <laughs> that one moment where he's just like, You two, my office! You guys are on double secret probation! You have 18 parking tickets! I ought to fire your asses! Now go out and get me results! Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It was so on the nose. Yeah. But also, yes, the practical effects in this movie were fantastic. There were bits of goo dripping out of people. The worst part of the practical effects is that they didn't do a very good job on Treat Williams himself for most of the movie. For most of it, he's got a little pale foundation on, and then they add some raccoon eyes. Yeah. it's That was disappointing. But every other zombie in this is a gross monster. They did a great job. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing? Uh, least favorite thing is definitely going to be not enough Robert Picardo. One scene. One goddamn scene. And he... He was amazing in that scene. I know. I, he managed to convey a character. He was a, he was, he had a, a background. He was a lieutenant. Yeah, he was kind of a smirky pissant of a character. Oh, it was great. You could, you could tell just from that one scene that he's like, oh, he's a real brown noser to the chief and he hates these guys because they're loose cannons and he plays by the book and he brown noses, but he doesn't get as much recognition. And they even make fun of him in the next scene. Not the main characters, the chief. It's like, yeah, well, Herzog was really happy to report you two idiots for being idiots, but at least you got the job done. It's so good! You know exactly what's going on with this character. Okay, Robert Picardo, amazing. Yeah, not enough of him. Your least favorite thing? Uh, let's see. My least favorite thing is probably gonna be the Joe Piscopo jokes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, cause I I swear, I, I can't make, I can't stress it enough. He never tells a joke without a bunch of checking around to see who's laughing style punctuation. Oh no, he has to mug for everything he says. And it's always afterwards. Like, he starts straight-faced. He's like, hey, hey, what if I had a lady and I was putting my penis inside of her? Anybody? Anybody? Uh-huh. Come on. Come on. I just said something sexual. <laughs> yep. 
It's just, ugh, not good. Okay, so recommendations on this. Do we recommend this movie? Would you watch this film? Uh, I definitely would say this is, this is worth a watch. Okay. Uh, on a rating, I'd probably give it, I'd give it a, a three. A three out of five, because it kept my attention. It was amusing, but not in the ways that it thinks it was. And it was fun just to see all of the practical effects. If you're a fan of good practical sort of goofy slapstick horror comedy, then definitely give it a watch. It's hilarious just for that. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. I did not like it as much as John did. I did enjoy the practical effects, but I would have been very happy just watching them. <laughs> like, like if it had been a 5-minute reel, like the best of Dead Heat, here's the cool scene with the with the uh, Chinese re- food coming to life, then then I probably would have been more interested in it. I, I, I'm going to say I'm fairly cool on this one. It was kind of a stupid movie. So there you go. We have one yes, one kind of a no. And uh, a total score of 5 out of 10. There you go. So, entirely average. Absolutely. Well, you know, not bad for our first outing on yeah. on, on Movie Mastery. On Movie Mastery. All right. So, uh, once again, this has been the Movie Mastery Podcast. It's a new stupid thing that the two guys from System Mastery are doing. Uh, in the future, we are going to try and have guests on this show. It'd be, I mean, think it'd be funnier. And please make your suggestions for movies that we can watch. Anything that's terrible, wonderful, something you just think we would uh, either love or hate, or just something you're curious to know what we would think about. It should probably be something we can get at our house. Yeah, don't don't say something that would be impossible to find. Or you know so- what? Go on Netflix right now and just find something there. Oh, that'd be nice, yeah. Or I mail us a DVD! I didn't want to spend the $3 I spent on this, I'll tell you that. Ah. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, we're... It, not, also, not something that's currently in theaters. That, that was what I was trying to get across. I, oh, yeah. I don't want to dump on those movies. It's just like System Mastery. We prefer our movies out of date. Yes. So, as always, we do the System Mastery Podcast, where we review old role-playing games, and we invite you to come check that out. We're at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. This is going to be a separate podcast on a separate feed. So, if you're interested in this, please subscribe to the feed, uh, listen to it, rate it on iTunes and Stitcher and all that nonsense, and uh, you'll be able to find us... Doing that and the afterthought and our Patreon bonus content episodes. We do a lot of podcasts because we're both without jobs. <laughs> We've got so much time, so much content. I have so many ants in my eyes. Oh, you're doing it again. <laughs> no one's going to get me strawberry snickles. <laughs> okay, so uh, as always, SystemMasteryPodcast.com or SystemMastery on Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, uh, Reddit, whatever you want to do. Come, Come find us. And the new one is to send us movies. The way that we do these is we pick them at random. So uh, you're not if your movie didn't get picked this time, it's still in the list, and it'll show up eventually. We still have Zardoz to do. Zardoz. There it is. And we still have something called Possession to do, but we need more. So send us your movie suggestions, and we'll flip coins or roll dice or however it is we come about uh, yeah, selecting them. We'll do Naked Twister until we both land in a sweaty heap on one of your choices. Come on, Naked Twister with the two of us is a sweaty heap from the very beginning. Oh, it's true. And if you really want... Subscribe to our Patreon, and you'll get a video of our naked twister exploits. Ugh. <laughs> well, I'm going to go remove my subscription. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening, and I have no idea what the schedule for these is going to be, so just tune in next time. We review a dumb movie on System Mastery. Movie Mastery. Movie. Mystery Sastom. Mystery Movies. Mystery movies. Podcast Incorporated 3000. Oh. Oh. Good night.